Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you find that you're in a desert, just tune in. If you're in a desolate place, a desert place, if it's, if it's a wilderness that you're living in right now, make sure that you're tuning in to what the Lord is saying while you're there. Because the track record I see is when God has people way out there like that, he's speaking to them intimately and sharing things with them. So don't ever let the enemy get you feeling like I'm way out here all by myself. And you forget that God is ever present, that he's everywhere you go, that you're never separated from him. Community is one of the greatest gifts and necessities that God's given us. In the beginning, when God created Adam, he was in a perfect state, sinless and exactly as God intended him to be. Yet Adam needed something else. He needed companionship. Satan would do his best to directly attack us at that area of weakness. As Pastor Bill will remind us in today's message, God is always with us, and He puts other people in place to support and walk with us through our struggles. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Numbers 9 verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, let the children of Israel keep the Passover as it, at its appointed time. On the 14th day of the month at twilight, you shall keep at its appointed time according to all its rites and ceremonies. You shall keep it. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. Verse five. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord spoke, commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did. So first in verses one through five, we're going to look at uh, remembering something that I find that a lot of people are really bad at. I've just in the years that I've walked with the Lord, pastored and served, there'll be moments in time where people are desperate for God to do something. So they're crying out to God. They're seeking God in desperation for him to do something. And then he does it. And, you know, answers the prayer, opens the door, provides the job, get, you know, he heals the body. He, he does what's been, you know, desperately sought out and prayed for. And then people get going just a little while and it's just forgotten and they still worry and they still complain. And it's almost like they've forgotten that look what God just did. And that's part of human nature. So I think it's why God tells the children of Israel, I want you guys, why does he create all these ceremonies? Why is there a, a Passover ceremony? The Passover took place already. It's, a, it's, it's remembering an event that took place. Why does God want them to remember it? Because he knows that they'll forget. He knows that if they don't have some way to remember what he did, they'll forget what he did for them. And they'll go on forgetting who he is and forgetting his power. And so first off, in verse one, it says, now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Two things. Uh, we spoke it before. I won't go all into it, but Moses still functioning as an intercessor. God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to the people. Um, we're in a better condition or better situation in the New Testament in that we can hear from God directly. You guys don't need a pastor, a, a, a man of God, a prophet, as some people would put it, in order for you to get a word, in order for you to hear from God. Everybody here has, if you're born again, you have direct connect. 
You can go in your bedroom and get on your face and open up your Bible and seek the Lord on your own. And God will meet with you and speak with you. And any pastor worth his salt will tell you the same. You don't need me. Um, this is a part of what God has for us as a body of believers, that there would be pastors and teachers and so forth and so on. But we don't need a man. We have direct access to the Lord. You can pray by yourself. You can seek him by yourself. And that's why we encourage you guys to do the Bible reading. We challenge you to be in prayer and so forth and so on, because we all have something special and intimate and personal with the Lord. We don't need an intercessor in terms of a man or a person. Um, Timothy says that there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. And so I just want to point that out that we're in a better situation than they were in. Moses was how God would speak to Moses. Moses would speak to the people. And that was how the setup was for them. Next thing here is I just noticed where Moses was at in the wilderness. And I want to just say a bit on that to us, because for many people, they look at times in the wilderness. It's not really sound like an exciting period of time being in the wilderness. It sounds like a time where you're lost, where you're, you know, just going in circles, going through difficulties or whatever. And maybe you're in a wilderness season right now where it just seems like, man, it's just I'm just out there. Um, I noticed in just going through the word that it was many times in people's, in the wilderness, in the desert, in those desolate places where God would show up in some of the greatest ways. And so I just want to point out that though he's in the wilderness, God's there with him in the wilderness speaking to him. Um, if you're writing notes, you can write down, um, you can write down Acts chapter eight. You guys remember Philip. Uh, who was one of the, the, the six, one of the seven that was going to be a deacon in the early church. Um, he was at a, he was basically in the middle of a revival where people were getting saved. People were coming to the Lord. It was going off. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go down to the desert. And he just left. And we talked about this before. We'll see it again in this chapter, the, the progressive obedience. He didn't say, well, God, show me what you're going to do when I get there. He just went to the desert and he got down to the desert it, it just so happened that there's an Ethiopian unit coming down who just come from an event where he had a scroll of Isaiah and he didn't get it and he's rolling through. And so then the spirit spoke to him again and said, run and overtake the chariot. And he followed the next step and he ran and overtook the chariot. And the guy's there reading Isaiah and he said, hey, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I know unless somebody tells me? And it says that Philip took him right there from Isaiah and began to preach Jesus to him. Guy gets saved. There's a puddle of water. He baptized him on the spot. And then supernaturally, the Lord catches Philip away and takes him somewhere else. As I look at that story, I think, man, God took him from somewhere that was booming to the desert to do a great work. And a, and a lot of people believe that the work in Africa, um, the, the work as far as the gospel spreading began with that Ethiopian unit that Philip reached out to, that God used to, to, to impact that man for the gospel. So um, in the desert, again, many times that's where people are met. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, as he's explaining to them how that he got revelation from the Lord directly. And in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, I won't read it, but basically what Paul tells them is, look, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I got the message straight from the Lord. And he says, when I did, after I got saved, how many Paul spent three years in the desert of Arabia receiving from the Lord before he began his earthly ministry. And so I just would point that out to us. If you feel like you're in a dry time, if you're in a desert experience, that many times that's where the Lord is preparing us for what he wants to do next. Speaking to us, pouring into us, preparing us. Moses spent 40 years in the desert 
being prepared to lead thousands of people to the, to the border of the promised land. So if you find that you're in a desert, just tune in. If you're in a desolate place, a desert place, if it's, if it's a wilderness that you're living in right now, make sure that you're tuning in to what the Lord is saying while you're there. Because the track record I see is when God has people way out there like that, he's speaking to them intimately and sharing things with them. And so don't ever let the enemy get you feeling like I'm way out here all by myself. And you forget that God is ever present, that he's everywhere you go, that you're never separated from him. And you can seek him at any place at any time. So uh, back to numbers. Um, Moses is in the wilderness of Sinai. God speaks to him and God gives him a specific direction. I want in the first month on the second year after he had come out of the land of Egypt, he says, let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. And he says the appointed time on the 14th day of the of the of this month at twilight. You shall keep it at its appointed time according to all its rites and ceremonies. You shall keep it. Now, the Passover was a, uh, a ceremony commemorating or remembering what God had done for them. Remember when they were in Egypt and God was going to send the death angel through and all the firstborn sons, all the firstborn were going to be killed. And God told the Israelites, I want you to take the blood of a lamb and put it over the doorpost and the lentils of your house. And those that do this, the death, death will pass. And I was really just kind of meditating on that, thinking it through. You know, anybody here, even if it's not your kid, right? Anybody see the death of a child? That's a very impactful thing um, in, a, in, a, in a very negative way. It's not something that you just kind of walk away from, you know? And I can't even imagine that an entire community of people, everybody is suffering death and how tragic that was and what the outcry was for the Egyptians and in, in, in light of that, if you're an Israelite and the Lord is your God and you've got your first child, you've got a baby there for those of us that have kids and we know how precious they are. You don't like to see them fall down and get a boo-boo and you're seeing that everybody else's kids died and you still have yours because God, because the blood of the lamb, because you did what God said do and God preserved your kid. It's a big deal. And I could read over this real quick and just be like, oh, yeah, the Passover from God Passover. Remember that for the Israelites. But I just don't want us to forget how impactful this would have been for them. But even something that big, even something that major. Imagine living in your community on your block. Imagine that every non-believer on your block had a death of a child at the same time. But because you believe in Jesus and the blood of the lamb is applied to you, you didn't. I think we'd appreciate things a little bit more. We'd be, we'd be hugging them a little tighter. We'd be thanking the Lord for them a little bit more. It would impact us. And so that's what had happened. But as time goes by, you know, and Junior, the baby that you kept at that time is 20 years old now and years are going by. I, I don't know that the impact is as strong. I don't know that they're as mindful of what God did for them, his revenge. So God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create something and I'm going to command you to participate in it so you don't forget what I did for you. And so what the Passover was to the Jew, communion is to the Christian. We're remembering that great thing God did for us, that everybody that doesn't have the blood of the lamb applied to their life by, through salvation, death is coming to them. They're dead even while they live, spiritually speaking. But for everyone that has, death has passed over us. Right. We'll never see death for the believer. It's appointed once to die. I mean, for the believer, um, we we uh, after, what is it? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up verses for the believer. It's um, oh, man. Yeah. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So we don't really die. I mean, we have to die to shed off this temporary body, but you don't really die. Like if if, if I died right now, 
Like my body would die, but I'm not dead. I can't die. I go on to be with the Lord. I'm going to live on. I won't live on in the same way I have been living, but I live on in a greater way, in a better way. So even for the believer, we don't not only escape death. Um, for us, we have something. We have a hope. We have something. Whatever I'm experiencing now in God, however good that is, I know that there's something better that awaits me as a child of the king. For the non-believer, it's not so. For the non-believer, no matter what they're experiencing now, how bad it is, what they have coming is worse. And if they're enjoying things greatly right now, it's at best temporal. One day it'll all be gone and they'll regret it all. What they have for certain is a, a, it's a certain, a certain, what they have for certain is that there's judgment, that there's punishment to come. And so God's done that for us. And as I look at what they were told to do and that they had to obey, um, if you were Israelite and you decided that, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to put blood, lamb of a blood. I don't want to mess up. Maybe you were, maybe you were a home and garden person. You liked your house all pretty. And the Lord said for all the Israelites put blood on your doorpost and your lentil. And maybe, maybe the wife said, I don't want door on my, that doorpost and my lentil. Guess what? You miss out. You know, there's some people that you share with them what God says. You share with them what the gospel teaches. And they say, you know what? I don't want that. And they miss out. Not because it wasn't available, because they opted out. They don't want it. They didn't take advantage of it. There are people that have heard the gospel, understood the gospel, and know the gospel, could tell it to you, but they haven't received it for themselves. They haven't received the benefit of knowing the Lord because they are opting to do something else or choosing another way. I know a woman right now who is effectively rejecting the gospel because if she accepts the gospel as it is, she'll have to acknowledge that her mother, who's previously passed away, died without Christ. And she doesn't want to do that. So in her concern about what happened to her mother, her mother died without the Lord. Um, it's, it's for her, it's easier to cope with that by rejecting God herself. And I'm like, you gonna, you want to join her? And I can't, I'm not that crass. I don't say it in that way. But in reality, that's what it's, it's like, because your mom's already gone, like you still have an opportunity to be saved. Um, but that's a choice. This person heard it, understood it, can regurgitate it back to me and is opting out because I just, I'm, I'm trying, she's trying to create another God that's letting everybody in. And I'm like, that, that's not the God of the Bible though. You can create it, but it won't save you. It won't be the God of the Bible. So anyway, back to our story here. So God is telling Moses to tell the, the children of Israel, I want you guys to celebrate Passover on this day at this appointed time. And so verse four, it says, so Moses told the children of Israel and that they should keep the Passover in verse five. I want to point out every time they're obedient because we're going to get to a phase where they're not obedient at all. So whenever they are obedient, I want to kind of give them their kudos because right now they're being obedient. Moses, God says, Moses, tell them to celebrate. Moses tells them to celebrate and they do it. And I want to point that out that that's how come things are moving forward because what God's telling them to do, they're doing. And we've talked about that maybe three studies in a row now that it's, I call it progressive obedience. As God gives you one step and you obey, he gives you now another step and you obey. And now God does something else and you obey. And if you want your relationship and your walk with God to keep progressing, then that's what your lifestyle should be like. Where God speaks, I obey. God tells me I do. God gives me a new direction. I take the new direction. So God tells them, hey, guys, don't forget that we're to do this. They already knew they were supposed to do this, but they're being reminded that they're supposed to do it. I want to point that out. How come God's reminding them so that they don't mess up, right? They already, this is already stated. 
This is already a fact that on this date, you guys are to worship God in this way. You're to celebrate the Passover on this day at this time. But God in his grace is saying, so you guys don't forget. I want to make sure that I give a reminder. So I'm telling Moses to tell you so you can do it. Isn't God gracious like that in our lives? Things that we already know we're supposed to do and we forget and we're not mindful. And maybe through someone, maybe through a message, maybe through your devotion, God reminds you of something you already know you're supposed to do. But he tells you again because he loves you and he doesn't want you messing up. And he tells us again what we're supposed to do. And so he tells them. And in verse five, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did. So they obeyed what God said do. Look at verse six. Now there's some people that are ill prepared. And so verse six. Now there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse so that they could could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron that day. And those men said to him, we became defiled by a human corpse. Why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the children of Israel? So if you guys remember from the previous chapters, if you were defiled uh, from touching something dead, you couldn't go into worship. You were ceremonially unclean and you had to be cleansed. And there was a process of time that had to go by before you could reinstate and participate in the worship. And so there were some men that as they're being told on this date, you're to celebrate the Passover. They're saying, hey, how come we can't? We, we, we touch the dead body and we're ceremonially unclean, but we want to participate. And a couple things here. You know, one is you see that these guys hadn't prepared. If they had paid attention, they would have already known that the date was coming and they wouldn't have defiled themselves. The fact that they're defiled is a group of them. It probably was a funeral where they... they you know, actively carried someone, they touched a dead body, um, they weren't prepared, they didn't keep in mind that this day was coming. And I would just point this out to us, that there are things that God has for us that if you don't keep it in mind, you're going to miss it, right? This guy didn't, these guys didn't prepare, now they're defiled at the wrong time. Now we're not able to do it. I believe that can happen with our devotional lives, that we're like, you know what, I'm going to make sure today I get some quiet time with the Lord. But if you don't prepare, if you don't set that, if you don't plan that time, if you don't say at this time right here, I'm shutting it down, I'm going in there. I'm, if you don't plan it, the day could just go and you didn't have no quiet time with the Lord because you didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. You just you just hope that at some point a window would open up that you could jump in and have it. But you got to prepare. You got to make it happen or else you'll be like this guy saying, man, I'm, I'm I can't do it now. I'm not prepared. I think sometimes in spiritual service, there are people that are gifted and called, but they're not prepared because they don't prepare themselves. They don't put forth the effort. Um, and so then when the opportunity comes or the day comes when that gift was needed, they're not prepared because they haven't prepared themselves. And so these guys are not prepared. They're defiled. And I want to point out that they do the right thing. Right. The heart is right. I want to participate in the Passover. I want to worship. Um, they do the right thing. They take their concern to Moses, who's uh, the mediator between them and God. And they say, Moses, how come we can't? You know, we still want to celebrate the Passover. You know, how come? And they're asking him what to do. And I want you to notice verse eight. It says that Moses said to them, stand still that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And that's why I call this section sex, this second section, verses six to 14, waiting. Moses tells them, stand still. And he says, um, stand still that I may go hear from the Lord. So 
They come, they want to know what's going on. They do the right thing. They ask and Moses says, stand still, wait, wait right there. Wait right there while I go seek the Lord and see what God says to do. And I want to point something out here. I see, I've seen this many times where people are praying about something, but they're still moving forward. They haven't heard yet, right? Moses didn't tell them, start, come on in and participate. Start making your way into the tabernacle. He says, wait, stand still. Don't do nothing. Don't do anything. You're not ready to go forward and do anything. Stand still while I get word from the Lord. Now, how might this work for you and me? I believe it'll work like this. If I haven't heard from God about what to do, should I be moving forward anyway? I shouldn't. I shouldn't be moving forward. I shouldn't be running forward and I haven't heard yet. But people do this. People are praying about relationships. They on date number five. How you on date number five and you don't even know if this is what God has for you? It shouldn't be date number one until God has given you clarity. Like, can I can I go on a date? Is this even a person that I can consider? And there'd be people on date number five. But you'll be so wrapped up emotionally by the time God says, no, that's not what I have. You'll be disobedient. And you'll be like, well, Lord, can you can't you save them? Can't you? They, they at least they went to church with me that one time. No, you know, I'm evangelizing them. I'm not I'm not dating them. Really, I'm I'm, I'm leading them to you, Lord. And you both be them fell away from the Lord. But people do that. A lot of times people will take their own desires and wants and start running forward with them and looking back saying, God, bless it. Bless what I'm doing. Instead of saying, you know, God's supposed to be out in front. You're supposed to say, God, I'm yours. And whatever you have for me, I want. Whatever you want me to do, I want to do. So I'm asking that you would show me. I'm asking you would make your will clear to me so I can obey you, Lord. That's the heart of the child of God. And so Moses tells him, stand still. And I, I love that he said it that way. Because don't nobody want to stand still. Don't nobody want to just, just stand still. Be, don't, I mean, can I do something? Can I, can, I, can I start washing? Can I start? No, just stand still. Don't do nothing. And I believe that that's the proper posture for someone that haven't heard from the Lord and they're seeking God about something is that they would just stand still. Uh, be still. And I, I, I've heard this from the Lord personally before. As I was getting all anxious and feeling like, you know, I need to do something. And the Lord reminded me that I was behaving as though the burden was on me to do something. And God was like, the burden's not on you. You waiting to if, 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 if I'm in a rush, I'll say it to you quickly. But if I don't say it to you quickly, you don't have to rush out and do something. You just you just wait. But nobody likes to wait. I don't like to wait either. Um, nobody enjoys it. I got kids. Anybody here will tell your kids, just wait. Oh, it's, I mean, you, you might as well crucify them, you know. Uh, they, they just, wait, wait till I get home, you know. Um, my youngest, I tell him to wait for something. And he find, he's so clever at finding other ways to try to like, so I'm waiting, but I'm going to get mom's phone and text you and just remind you real quick, you know. Or I'm, I'm going to get on mom's phone and she finished talking. Can I say hi to dad? And he said, hi, dad. Um, just, and he would ask one more time. I said, boy, I said, wait till we get home. And he'd just find another way to throw it in there and, 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 and do whatever. So we can be like that sometimes. Just God said, just wait. And it's important that we learn as believers how to wait on the Lord. That if we haven't heard, don't move. Uh, because again, it's, it's God knows how to turn up the volume. God knows how to speak immediate things. God knows how to apprehend you right now. That's what's necessary. Many times the thing that's needed for us is to learn how to wait because waiting takes trust. Right. If I got to wait and do nothing, there's a trust involved. That's me saying, God, I trust 
that you're in charge. And I'm not going to worry that an opportunity is passing me by or that I'm going to miss out on some great thing because I'm trusting you and I'm waiting. You said, wait, I'm going to wait. You haven't spoken. I'm not going to move. I'll just wait here until you say something. And I just think that's there's wisdom in that for us. So Moses says, stand still that I may hear what the Lord would command. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.